with us live or on online. It's good to have you either way. Tonight we're talking about Nehemiah getting the ducks in a row. Now let me say in all the sermons I've preached, and I've preached for a long time, I don't think I've ever had a picture of a duck before in a sermon. But you know that phrase, right? Getting your ducks in a row. You know that idea of trying to get everything in order. And we've been looking at Nehemiah for quite a while now and really the leadership style and the leadership methods of Nehemiah. This is not just a lesson for people who are already leaders. This is not just a lesson for people who are elders or deacons or just folks who are in business. This is really a lesson for everybody of what it means to be a leader. And we are all leaders, whether in our families or at work or wherever it may be. This is for all of us in one way or another. So you remember that the city of, of Jerusalem was in shambles and it had fallen down, basically. It had been destroyed and looters had come in. And Nehemiah is far away and is told by the king, a foreign king, that he can go back and rebuild the city. And so he goes back, and you remember it wasn't like it was done very easily because there were people with names like Sanballat and Tobiah that kept telling him that it couldn't be done and that it was bad that he was doing it. And they threw all kinds of barbs at him saying, don't do it, it's bad, made fun of him, tried to kill him, everything you can imagine because they didn't want Jerusalem to come back in any form of its current glory because if it did, then they would maybe lose what they had, so they're afraid. And so now you have Nehemiah who has built the walls and now it's time to start putting things in order. His ducks in an order, I guess you would say. And in Nehemiah chapter 7 verses 1 and 2 says, After the wall had been rebuilt and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. Well, this is kind of interesting. Their names, first of all, are kind of funny, aren't they? Hananiah, maybe you'd say, and Hananiah. Boy, it would be hard to... Can you imagine their mother calling them for supper, right? It'd be hard keeping these two apart, figuring out who they are. Now, they're not brothers. These two aren't brothers. But still, at the same time, it's hard to figure out who you're talking about. But I want you to see what the scripture says Nehemiah did. First thing he did was he delegated authority. Well, that's really important. When you try to do everything yourself, it just doesn't work very well, does it? Are you one of those people sometimes that think that it can't work unless I do it? You know what I'm talking about? I've got to be the one in charge. I heard Jimmy Carter telling a story once about what it was like to be president. And we all know that he had some challenges as president. Pure heart, but just some challenges. And he said, you know, one day I realized my issue was that I couldn't delegate, that I took everything on myself. It didn't matter what it was, if it was a hostage crisis or inflation at the day, I took it all on myself. And I realized my issue whenever they were having the annual softball game out on the lawn of the White House. And I'm the one who set the rules for the softball game. He said the president of the United States shouldn't be doing that. But he wanted to have control of everything. Well, whatever it is, if it's a family, a congregation, a, 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 a business, when we try to control everything, often what happens is we get in trouble. What you see happening here is Nehemiah delegates authority and notice to whom? 
Well, it's to those two guys, right? Hananiah and Hananiah, or however you want to say Hananiah, Hananiah and Hananiah. Hananiah is his brother. Over in Nehemiah chapter 1, whenever Nehemiah finds out about how the city's all in ruins, he finds out from, you've got it, from this guy, Hananiah. That's who told him. So he delegates to people who are knowledgeable, to people who know what's going on. Just to give it to somebody on the street doesn't make any sense, does it? But sometimes that happens, and then all at once we have this great debacle and we don't know why. Well, because someone has taken over who wasn't qualified for the job that they were put in charge of. And things really mess up. It's to people of integrity. Notice what the Bible says. You don't need to go back to the slide, but it says that Hananiah, or Hananiah was a man of integrity and feared God more than most. A man who honors God and loves God, a man who is full of integrity, these are the kinds of people that you want in charge of your organization or whatever it is that you're a part of. This is who you want leading your family, a person that is knowledgeable, full of integrity, a person who fears God, meaning that they worship God and are in awe of God. And maybe sometimes this is why we have the issues that we do. I remember years ago in a congregation when, where we were when I was a little boy, and I heard this story over and over and over. There was an elder in this little congregation that, boy, it was hard to believe he was an elder, okay? I mean, just if you call the qualifications and if it's personality, I mean, it's just hard to know. And one day, my dad said to the preacher who had been there before him, how did that guy ever become an elder? He said, I put his name up just to see if the church was strong enough to, to say he shouldn't be one. And nobody said anything, so he became one. You talk about a mess that lasted for years. That's a bad thing to do, okay? So don't ever do that. You need men of integrity and knowledge and men who love God. They fear God. That's what makes a good company, what makes a good congregation. It's what makes a good family. I like this quote from John Maxwell who's a guru in business and, and also in, in Christian things as well. He says, if you want to do a few small things, do them yourself. But if you want to do great things and make a great impact, learn to delegate. Because now you have all kinds of hands out there. Because sometimes, you know, we say, I've only got 24 hours in a day. I've only got two hands. Haven't you said that before? But the leader who can delegate and can get other people involved is the person who can reach way past anything that they could have ever imagined because they include other people in ministry and other people in life. Learn how to delegate and give those jobs away. <clears throat> and going along with what you may be thinking, another quote here from Craig Rochelle, when you delegate tasks, you create followers. But when you delegate authority, you create leaders. That's really important. So when you think about so often, and we think even sometimes as a nation that we might have a little bit of a vacuum sometimes of leaders. We think sometimes in the church we talk about the vacuum that there seems to be of a lack of leaders, not here, but I mean just worldwide. Maybe it's because of the way we mentor leaders or don't mentor leaders is the reason that sometimes congregations find themselves in the problems that they do. 
So in Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 3, Nehemiah said to them, The gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. And while the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their post and some near their own houses. You notice he's also delegating authority again. He's getting more people involved. But this was kind of an odd one. Whenever I was reading this passage, why would you want to wait until it was hot to open the gates? I mean, why would you open them when it was cool? I mean, it didn't seem, maybe there was a better, a wind comes through when the gates opened, right? Better ventilation whenever it's afternoon and they'd get that warm, that warm wind coming through. You know, why would he say something like, like that? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. We'll say this first. A good leader protects. What Nehemiah is doing here is protecting his people. The most common time to attack, at least in that day and probably in days later, the most common time to attack was early in the morning while everybody was asleep and the gatekeepers would come out and they'd be sleepy and no one's broken in in the last three three decades, right? And you go out and you undo the gate and the gate comes down and when you least expect it, that's when they get you, right? That's why if someone's going to break into your house, more than likely they're going to do it in the middle of the night, not at 2.30 in the afternoon, whenever everybody's home. When no one is expecting it. So what Nehemiah is doing is he is protecting the people because he knows the forces are on the outside that want to destroy Jerusalem. So he says, wait until it's hot. And first of all, your enemies aren't going to want to be outside as much whenever it's hot. And wait after everybody has woken up and had a couple of cups of coffee, okay? Wait until they're all ready and then open the doors. You see, leaders try to outwit their enemies. The leader is thinking about the mind of the enemy as well as their own mind and saying, you know, what could happen, what they may be thinking is, therefore, what we are going to do is. And so Nehemiah is saying, surely they would attack like everybody else early in the morning, therefore, we're not going to open up. And then Nehemiah 7, 4, and 5. Now the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it, and the houses had not yet been rebuilt. So my God put into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the common people for registration by families. I found the genealogical record of those who had been the first to return, and this is what I found written there. Now, if you are following along in the Bible or look at this later, what you will see is a list of names, and they probably don't mean anything to you because they're not listed in other places, and you don't know anything about the names. But, I, but the names are important because he's saying these are the people who have various rights we'll talk about in just a moment. I want you to notice Nehemiah's acknowledgement here. He says, so God put into my heart to assemble. He was in tune with God. He didn't say, boy, I got lucky and found that. He didn't say, wow, I'll give myself a pat on the back. Look what I found. Wow, this is going to make our day easy. This is going to make it so much better now that I found this. Instead, what he says is God put it on my heart. He gives God credit for it. Don't you want a leader like that that gives God credit Rather than telling you how great they are, they spend time talking about how great God is. A good leader, a great leader. In a church setting, obviously, 
But in a home, even in a business, is one that gives God credit for the accomplishments rather than taking that credit themselves. What Nehemiah is doing here is preparing a great nation. Not a little nation, but God's people. And so he's putting everything in line. He is putting his ducks in a row so that the nation will be able to thrive. Because if it all falls apart when Nehemiah dies, then what do you have? You have a nation that lasted for the lifespan of Nehemiah's leadership, and then it's gone. A nation that is a great nation is one that can continue on because everybody's in place. But the leader steps out, but other leaders are already there doing their jobs and are ready to take over for him because of what they have learned through delegation and through be, by being given authority as well as tasks all along. So Nehemiah is preparing a great nation. This is what we call leadership. This is leadership. When you don't do it all yourself, but you include other people and give other people authority, great things can come. It's hard to do sometimes. Because I do everything better than everybody else. <laughs> Y'all were supposed to laugh at that, but you didn't. It's too hot in here for you to laugh, right? The, they're working on the part, but it has to be made. So don't worry. It's going to get cooler one day. Someday, I have a dream. Someday it's going to be better. But this is leadership when you prepare other people. So this is my question for you tonight. What am I planning? What am I planning? Well, you say, well, I'm not planning much. If you're in a family, what are you planning? As far as your children go, how are you training your children? Are they learning authority, being delegated authority in different things? Are they learning tasks along the way? Are you trusting them? Are you helping them think about, think about and outwit the enemy? If you're, if you're in, a, in church leadership, are you planning that way? Or is it just hoping that tomorrow just comes and we'll just deal with it then? If you're in a business, is it that you're saying, okay, well, we'll just deal with whatever comes. We're really not planning anything. You know that old line that if you, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? It's even good for congregations, and it's, that's true for families. It's true for everyone. But if I'm not planning, then I will probably be disappointed with where I end up. And so obviously we give this as an opportunity for you to be baptized into Christ and plan the greatest thing of all is your salvation, to put your faith in him, to trust him, to be baptized, have your sins washed away, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For others, it's to start again to, be, to say, I'm ready to be renewed, I just need help. And to come forward or to write to us at elders at mcoc.org. Come as we stand and sing. Oh, do not let the working fall.